0: All right, we are live. Welcome back to another episode of From College to Fine. I am mostly joined here by my not-quite-roommate-but-sweet-mate, Ryan Mallette. How are you doing today?
1: Very well. Let me adjust my camera a little
0: bit. Oh, my goodness. Not ready. Deducting I'm a point right now. You that. are ready. You um, are ready. Well, well, we do have a, a really good show set up, though. You know, in terms of a really good show, it's a spectacular show. We're going to start off with some, uh, some smoke and fire. We're going to go through the current NFL headlines, pop off, see which ones we think are legitimate and which ones we kind of think are just ones that you know you want to pass by. You're getting a lot of misinformation nowadays with the rumors, draft coming up, still for agents out there as well. Uh, we're going to run through some news first, and later we will continue our rookie rankings and this time wrapping them up. This is our last rookie rankings episode with, going over the top five tight ends, because if we went to top 10, we would be banned on uh, all platforms, because it's not the strongest group. Not the strongest, but there are a lot of landing spots that can make these guys names that you should watch out for fantasy, especially in tight end premium, dynasty formats like that. But before we jump into that, I want to shout out idpguys.org, where... I have been able to put up a lot of my content, provide this overlay, and of course, I want to shout out for, uh, for Frequency's sake, who is currently hosting this, helped me produce it where we started. That is a heck of a follow at FFSQC on Twitter. You can also follow IDP guys, IDP guys on Twitter, and you can follow me at Michael underscore underscore Sicoli, two underscores, and Riley at Riley underscore Millett. Let's get into the news, because we've had a few big ones. That aren't super big, but will have surprisingly big impacts when t- the time comes around. Let's uh let's start with your team. Uh, why don't why don't you kick us off?
1: Yeah, so the Patriots traded a third-round pick for Devontae Parker and a fifth-round pick, a 2023 third-round pick, which will probably be replaced by a compensatory pick for JC Jackson leaving a free agency. So uh I'll start with my initial thoughts of the trade, which is that it's a steep price to pay for a guy like Devontae Parker, who has struggled to stay healthy in his career. Um, and especially in the last few years, he's been good when he's on the field um, and he he brings an element to the offense that no one else in the Patriots offense does. He's a big body contested catch winner. Excuse me. That was a crazy voice crack, but um, I, th- I think he's a good addition to the offense. Would I have paid a third rounder? Probably not. I was thinking something, like a fifth, I was a fifth straight up for Devontae Parker was what I thought the compensation would be. But I, at the end of I mean, it, it leaves a sour taste in my mouth knowing what happened with the Muhammad Sanu trade, which was a second round pick, right. For Muhammad Sanu we sent. Yep. Not Disgusting. Obviously, that obviously didn't work out. Um, and this kind of stinks to that as well. Not quite to the degree, but we'll see what happens.
0: It's going to be interesting because, what the Patriots do well is run the ball. So that's, that's the issue here is if – how many touchdowns will Devontae Parker get? He historically hasn't been that guy. He had his big breakout 2019 season, scored nine touchdowns, 1,200 yards. But he hasn't eclipsed 800 yards since, and he hasn't eclipsed four touchdowns. And I don't think – I think the volume might be a little bit better for him, especially any change for Parker from Miami with Tyreed coming down, Jalen Waddle emerging. Uh, even Cedric Wilson getting signed, this is good for uh, Parker in a number of ways, but I don't know how he's going to be fantasy relevant unless he makes a jump in touchdowns. I mean, that's still, I don't think he's going to command a workload. I don't think he's, he's going to—he'll command snaps on the outside, but Jacoby Myers is a genuinely good wide receiver as well. Jacoby Myers will see targets from the slot. Can, will Mac Jones have enough volume to compensate both of them? That's kind of what I want to know.
1: I, I wouldn't rule that out. I mean, I think Devontae Parker immediately steps in and is the second best wide receiver, if if not the best. You can make an argument that he's better than Jacoby Myers. Yeah. I think which is uh, not saying much, um, but yeah. Yeah. I think Jacoby Myers will uh, command a higher target share just because he's been there for longer. Um, but it'll it'll be interesting to see the the use of Devontae Parker in the red zone just because he's such a big guy. Um Again, like you know, like you mentioned, there's not a whole lot of touchdowns to go around in, in the Patriots offense. So if he finishes with four or five touchdowns, I really wouldn't be shocked. I would say his super ceiling if he plays 17 games is seven. And that's even being a little generous. Yeah. So I mean, in in terms of fantasy, wide receiver 30 feels about right. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go hunting for him. If he falls into my lap at a value, maybe I'll give him a look. But especially with a guy who you know, consistently plays 12 or less games a year. I will uh, treat him with some
0: hesitancy. This is a situation that can even get more, you know, clustered. I, I, I fully expect the Patriots to still attack the position in the draft. I don't think they're done at addressing wide receiver after the lack of uh, impact that they got from the position last year. So I think we can still see a day two type of name. I think we see a day one type of name. I think there's a lot of flexibility that the Parker moves offer offers. I'm not in love with it because I don't think Parker's all that. I wish he put it together a little bit more, a little bit more consistent, stayed on the field. But he reminds me of the value that Corey Davis provided last year. I think that's a good comp of what Devontae Parker can bring, which is a few catches. If he scores a touchdown, you're satisfied on the week. I would probably project him for around – 905. That's probably about where I, I, I'd put him around that 60 to 70 catch range. I'd have to take off a couple games because I do, I think he'll miss some time. That's just what he's been doing. But it depends on where he goes in drafts. I, I think he'll end up around that ninth, eighth, eighth, ninth round range. I, I, that's what I probably expect come redraft season. And I might be taking a shot on that, especially if I'm punting wide receiver. Yep. Yep. And let's, uh, obviously, Devonta Parker was not the only. Move of the day. Also, final note on that. That will probably be, it's been reported and it's common sense that will probably be the end of the line for Nikhil Harry. Um, where I think the only reason he's been, <laughs> he hasn't been cut yet is because they are probably still trying to find some random trade partner who knows in this crazy, crazy world of ours. But this is probably the fresh start that Nikhil Harry might be needing that might be on the horizon. So another big trade happened. I, Jeez, now you're gonna have to stay stay with me through this because the Saints and the Eagles had a trade where the Saints acquired the number 16 and number 19 pick in this in this class. They also acquired the sixth round pick. In turn, they traded the number 18, a third, a seventh, a 2023 first, and a 2024 second. Essentially trading a first next year and a second in 2024 to move up and get an extra pick in this year's class. They now have two first-round picks. Eagles still have what? If I'm not mistaken, they still have two as well, right? Yes. Yes. The Eagles have three first-round picks. They now have two. The Saints now have uh, two first-year. Now, what does this mean to you?
1: So my my first reaction was they're probably going to take a quarterback with one of these picks. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see any quarterback, not named Malik Willis, fall to this range. Uh, this is good, Kenny Pickett range. This is good, uh, Desmond Ritter range. A lot of people are high on him. Um, the last last week we ranked uh, Ritter pretty low, but you know, other a lot of people are higher on him than we are. Um, this is also a really good uh, offensive tackle class. Uh, now that Toronto Armstead is gone, he signed with the Dolphins, so. This is like Bernard Raymond slash Trevor Penning range if they if they like either one of those those guys so um, and the Saints have been a team with a historically good offensive line and I don't really imagine that changing I think they're they're ready to um, replace the revolving door at tackle so uh, I my immediate projection for this pick would be a Kenny Pickett and a Trevor Penning.
0: See it's it's interesting you say that and obviously you're saying that for. The Saints, right? I just want to make sure I got that correct. I don't think they are looking at QB here. It's an interesting move, and I think it's totally possible moving this type of capital is substantial because they are moving a first next year in a very strong class. I think this is more so – the reports I've seen and the reports I've read are that they are believing that this team is not far away. So – I think they're going to tackle that. I think they're going to go for a Trevor Penning type of guy, a tackle or whoever they view as the best scheme fit to replace Teron Armstead. But I think they're going wide receiver with that other pick. I think that 16 to 18 range is a perfect mesh of where these guys are going to go. You'll probably see one, maybe two jump ahead of that range, but they should have close to their pick of the litter. And I, they, they need the help. I don't. It's a hefty price to pay for a wide receiver, but – I think that this is – that, that's the reports I've seen. I think they're going to rock with Jameis and that Taysom Hill duo for a little bit longer. And if they need to figure it out down the line, I think they're ready to figure it out down the line. But that's the reports I've seen. I think they still have a good defense. I think that's their mentality.
1: I think um, we can say the same thing about the Saints that – about the Patriots, that the Patriots lost Tom Brady. They punted on Cam Newton for a year. It didn't work out. And now they have – Oh, that yeah. Account. And the same thing with the Saints. Now the Drew Brees is gone, they tried out Jameis, and they tried out Taysom Hill. Both went poorly, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them take who they think is their franchise quarterback for the next several years.
0: And it's, it's what makes sense, right? Because when you move a first-round pick next year, you're taking yourself almost out of the running for a quarterback because you know we know the hit rate beyond the first round is very slim. You're taking a real crapshoot if you want to take your franchise quarterback outside the first round, that's what the saints are hamstringing themselves into here. But all, all the moves would suggest quarterback. I am going to still lean towards the reports that right or wrong. I think they might, they're, they're still looking elsewhere, but would not surprise me at all. If we see a Kenny Pickett, a Desmond Ritter, um, honestly, there's, with the coaching change, it's tough to find a scheme fit, but there's a lot that uh, a lot that the saints can still do. And the Eagles still have two first-round picks. So in terms of – like I said this last week, actually, that I don't think – I can't remember if – I can't imagine ever did where a team picked three times in the first round. So I view this as a given that one of these picks was getting traded. But nothing should really change in terms of that. Your mocks just get a little more interesting. So let's uh, dive into real quick the last uh, bit of news that we want to touch into before smoke or fire. Rashawn Evans is back with DNP's and back with Arthur Smith on the uh, on the Falcons. Uh, first round linebacker, former uh, former first round linebacker, rather. He hasn't really put it totally together. He's flashed over the years. There's a lot to like. I'm bringing him up on the IDP end of this. I liked him as a prospect, and he's a good tackler. He's not. He hasn't really got done in coverage. He's you know he was a healthy scratch when they came around the playoffs. He missed some time at the end of last season. He only played twelve games. It's a one-year deal. It'll truly be proven, but we just saw that this Atlanta. We saw this Atlanta offense or Atlanta defense put together a one hundred ninety-plus combined tackle season from Fosea to Olukam. I hope I didn't butcher that. But we saw that you know they produced a IDP darling, and Rashawn Evans is a scheme fit. They you know, he knows this defense. is someone to definitely look out for. This is a fantastic landing spot for him. And I might not be targeting him, but if I'm a contender on that one-year short notice, tackles regardless of actual production or regardless of actual talent, he's a name to keep an eye out for. And especially if he's on your wire, uh, which is unlikely, but you never know. It's the offseason. So, Rawl, you ready for smoke or fire? Yeah. All right. Do you want to kick us off or do you want me to kick us off?
1: I'll kick it off because we're going to talk about a guy that I like. So Ravens general manager, Eric DeCosta said, and I quote, if the right guy falls, we'll certainly strike when talking about the running back position. Um, I'll start by saying, I think this is fire. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them take a running back early in the third round, even though I'm a big JK Dobbins guy. I think he's super talented and they do have Gus Edwards coming back from injury but we saw what happens to what happened to the Ravens offense when they were without uh, the complete rushing attack. And it kind of just fell apart. You know, they were relying on Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman, who, I mean, they had their fantasy weeks, but they weren't very good uh, real life NFL running backs. And it's, it's tough to rely on both guys coming back from ACL injuries, considering, you know, what the consequences are if they neither of them were to fully recover. So, if they had a a nice running back, let's say let's say Zamir White falls to the fourth round, it, I wouldn't be surprised to see them fourth round on that. I mean, he probably won't. He's he's one of my no. It could happen. It could, happen. Class, it could happen. And that's yeah, that's what I it's... think he would have to take for them to for them to do that. I mean that that team has some other needs. You know, their secondary is one of the bigger ones, but. If, if the right guy falls, like that's that's part of the key word is that it's a position where we think could use some insurance, but we're not going to go crazy and spend a day two pick on someone.
0: This is, I wouldn't rule out a day two pick because this, but this is prime draft talk of someone, someone asked them, Do you, are you planning to draft a running back? Are you planning to address the position? It's the same, the same answer as, you know, we're evaluating all positions, we're always trying to improve our team. This is the they, you know the truth of the matter is that they got no production out of their run-ups last year after both Dobbins and uh Gus Edwards went down to the same day right in the offseason. And they do own two third for, uh two third-round picks. They own number 76, they own number 100. They also own 110. So there is a lot of range there where they can take a luxury pick where yeah, they have they have issues on the edge, but they have <laughs> Let me count this real quick. They have one, two, three, four, and five. They have five fourth-round picks. I would, If they end up making half of those, I would bet the house that one of them is a running back because I think we're going to see talent slip in this draft. I don't think there's a lot of teams desperately in need of running backs, so you're going to see guys. We saw Brees Hall being um, mocked to the Giants the other day from the Athletic. That's a very reputable source, and yeah, they got nothing out of their – out of their running backs, running is obviously a very big part of the Baltimore system. They need more out of it. It makes sense to address it. It's not something that I'll phrase you like this. How worried, If let's say they draft Zemir White in the back of the third round. They're, they're at number 100. How worried are you about both Dobbins and Gus Edwards?
1: I would be worried as a Gus Edwards owner, but I think most Gus Edwards owners also have J.K. Dobbins. So, and again, I fully believe in, in J.K. Dobbins. I mean, we've seen running backs come back from ACL injuries and still be fine. Uh, I haven't seen anything to prove that won't be the case for Dobbins. So I, I will believe that J.K. Dobbins will be fine and, and until I see something that he's not. But it, adding Zamir White to that backfield would leave the situation a little bit more open for Edwards, which even then, I, I, it's still strange because they signed Gus Edwards to a pretty friendly contract extension not too long ago.
0: Yeah, and it was somewhat short term. And ultimately it, it's as simple as this. Tyson Williams is unsigned. They did not like Tyson Williams. Devonta Freeman is washed. They did, tried out a bunch of guys. None of them really worked. They cannot go into the season with two guys coming off season ending injuries where they have not played football in you know two years. That that can't happen. No, no team can take that risk. They will address the position, whether it's the third or fourth round will be very telling. Maybe of how their development has gone. It's definitely a little, it's definitely worse for Gus Edwards than it's Dobbins, naturally, given the talent cap and investment. But I think it, it really depends on the name. Ultimately, I do expect them to add in position. I would say fire to this. So another one I want to bring up real quick. And honestly, I don't think we need to spend too much time on this one. We'll make this one fun, a quick one. Rob Gronkowski says he's not ready to commit to a game of football right now, quote unquote. He is going to come back and play football for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is waiting until mandatory training camp is done so he doesn't have to do the workouts. Guarantee you anything. We have seen it from veterans before. It fits Gronk. And he made a joke earlier this offseason that he wanted to uh, make Tom Brady wait about the same amount of time that Tom Brady made him at wait with the retirement and unretirement mm-hmm. announcements. Do you, what, any Any disagreement there, Riley?
1: Um, I'm not going to say it's a hundred percent chance. I'll put it at like 80% chance. I wouldn't No, I know. I know you're not saying that, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out the possibility that that Gronk actually does retire. I, if I had to put money on something, I would believe that Tom Brady talks Gronk into coming back, especially since Gronk performed pretty darn well last season. So I'm, I'm willing to bet that he's coming back. Would I be totally shocked if he retires? Not really.
0: And I'll touch on this as well of a, of a Buccaneer that retired. Obviously, we didn't bring it up in the news segment because I don't know. We've had a, I guess, a, bit, a little bit busy cycle. But Bruce Arians also retired uh, yeah, in between he... our two show two shows. I, 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 we're, I, we don't want to spend too much time on this because it's pure speculation, and we're not just talking heads here. But not at all. How much do you think Tom Brady had an impact on that?
1: I don't know. I mean, it's it's. It's tough. He won. He won a Super Bowl under Bruce Arians, right? Like he did under Belichick. What What could have What could have happened where Brady only wants to come back if there's no Arians or Arians doesn't want Tom Brady back? I mean,
0: I I I I I tend to agree that I think they're just I think it's a very fun narrative to make, but I think it's separate. Uh, Brady's come back because he is not done. He does not like how that retirement announcement went whatsoever. Schefter is in the doghouse uh, on that one with with Brady, I'm sure. So I think this is Brady trying to rewrite his ending, uh, and understandably so because he's still playing at a high level. And Arians came out and said that he wanted to, you know, once he won a Super Bowl, he wanted to step around and make room for his staff. Arians, they, he's done such an amazing job for the game of football and for diversity in a league that still desperately needs it. That's, I think, a big input of how of how and why he stepped down. He's still going to have a front office role, albeit in a I think he's in more of an advisory capacity. I don't think he's having real decision making power, but he has power in that organization. He's still going to be around. I I I do think it's separate, but ultimately Todd Bowles is going to be the next head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He already is, and I hold Bowles in a very high regard of someone that should have got more coaching looks this off season, but. Very excited to see. I, I'm still. I'm. I, I'm excited to see Todd Bowles back as a head coach. I He got such a raw end of the stick at uh, in New York, as a lot of my Jet fans can attest. Uh, my Jet friends can attest as well.
1: The head coach that Tom Brady is familiar with facing um, when he was with the Patriots. And, yes. He
0: is. And Gronk.
1: Yep. So Mary Kate Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer reports that the Browns have called the Texans about the availability of Brandon Cooks. Possibility of a trade is currently low.
0: I believe this entirely of the first step, but not the second. A, I trust Mary Kay. Mary Kay's been in this on this beat for a very long time. I still remember being in high school and hearing hearing <laughs> hearing her name all the time as well. So I trust her reporting. I it makes perfect sense that a veteran like Brandon Cooks is on the block for a rebuilding Houston, Texans team. Although I'm sure they they would like to keep him, help Davis Mills out, or let's say you know you know, rookie quarterback, I think he'll be Davis Mills, but whoever they want, I do not, I and it makes sense to reunite Brandy Cooks with Deshaun Watson, you know, from their time in Houston. I do not believe that Brandy Cooks is not being shopped. Um, I fully believe that Brandy Cooks is being offered around the league. They're seeing what offers, but I do agree that they're, they're going to want a decent haul to trade. I don't think they're going to trade him away for a fifth, like Amari Cooper. Like, I I think it'll be closer to the third round that Devontae Parker commanded. Maybe more. Brandon Cooks is a very underrated player, but what percentage chance do you think that Brandon Cooks is on any different roster come week one?
1: I would put it about 50-50. I mean, I, I think the same a lot of the same things that you think that I I definitely think he's on the move. He's still got plenty of football left in him. And given what we've seen with the wide receiver market, it it's probably much cheaper and much more cost efficient to acquire a wide receiver through the trade market than it is through the free agent market, because wide receivers are just signing totally bananas contracts, uh, either through extensions or in free agency. And for a team like the Browns, that is really going to have to pull off some moves in order to compete with the Bengals and the Ravens, um, assuming that Deshaun Watson can actually play uh, even half the games that they have on their schedule. Uh, he's going to need a little bit more help than he has on the roster right now, and uh, I, I think I think it's a pretty strong possibility that he ends up on the Browns. I mean, possibility of a trade is currently low. That we see that with every single trade. I don't put a whole lot of stock into that. Yeah, I think it could easily
0: happen. It's low till it's not. It's low until they get an offer they like, and he's and it's not. It's not there. But Brandon Cooks has been a thousand yard receiver every single year since twenty fifteen, with the exception of. An invisible twenty nineteen campaign. He's put up uh, top twenty fancy finishes in each of those years, as you know, as recent as last season. Yeah, he can do a lot of things. Brandon cooks a very underrated player. If he ends up a brown, I'd be very invested in him, despite uh, my reservations about Deshaun Watson right now. Um, it's there's a lot to there's a lot to consider. We'll see what ends up going on there. I would put it at a lower chance of around that twenty five to thirty percent. I think there's a very real world. They do still want to see Davis Mills get a legitimate chance. And they I don't know if they get blown away with an offer for Brandon Cooks, uh, especially with his contract, you know, shriveling up a little bit. But let's move on to a, another storyline real quick. This also can probably be a quick one. The Tennesseans, I hope I get yeah. the Tennesseans. Ben Arthur believes the Titans could draft a successor to Derrick Henry in the draft. Another running back question of who is going to be drafted and
1: this, where. This is This is one I'm going to call smoke on. I've called fire on a lot of them, but I just even – I think the Titans think they could draft a successor to Derrick Henry. There is no running back in this year's draft that the Titans could end up with that even holds a candle to Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry is such a phenomenal player. He's he's been so great. And I'm not even saying in terms of talent, just in terms of what that specific running back can offer to the offense. I think that's uh Mike Grable's here to stay. He's been a, a very good coach for them. And his um the scheme that has happened has that has been instained into the offense while he's there is not going anywhere. And it revolves around a very strong running game. And unless they end up with like Brees hall is the consensus rb1 in this class even if they end up with Brees hall i don't see him turning into the workhorse that derrick henry can be and and again derrick henry is a unicorn but it's it's tough to think that based on how they run their offense they think there's a running back in this class who can do that
0: now i will say this there there's I completely agree. There's not a running back that can replicate the production with the exception of maybe Brees Hall. Brees Hall will not be taken by the Titans. They will be taking a running back. That that that's going to happen. Because they lost Deontay Foreman. Deontay Foreman, who was productive for them. They do not have a backup running back that is really worth mentioning. They they just you know it's a it's a weak depth chart behind them. Deontay Foreman is now a Panther, as I just mentioned. Derek Henry's coming off a season ending injury. Um or not season ending, but an injury that left him, you know, a little bit inefficient in the playoffs. His yards per carry did drop uh, for the first time in his career, or first time in the last two years, all the way down to 4.3, which is his lowest number since 20, uh, 2017. And that's still 219 carries. That's not a small sample size. I'm not, Derek Henry is not slowing down. Don't make, don't hear what I'm not saying. He still looks very good on field. He's still producing and he will still get a great amount of volume. I do fully expect them to draft somebody. I will be interested in that player if it's the right one. I could totally see them I don't think they're going to find a comment in the in the draft, but if they did, there's another Alabama back who is awfully big and not Derrick Henry, but could do could fill that role in the offense. You know what I'm talking about?
1: I do know who you're talking about. You you've hated on this player. This, I'm surprised you I'm surprised you're This is
0: about- not This is not me talking about him in a positive light. This is me talking about him as a scheme fit for the offense of somebody that can command a workload. This is Brian Robinson we're talking about out of Alabama. Big guy, former Bama back, runs with the mean type of power that Derrick Henry runs with. He does not have the breakaway speed that Derrick Henry has at the ridiculous size. But if they want someone to come in and still be able to run the same offense that they wanted to run, Brian Robinson can do that better than most guys in this class. I'm just going to throw that that out there. And he probably won't cost too much as well. Like I, I think that's a third, fourth round uh, grade that he's typically receiving. That's what I would give him. And that's about where I think the Titans will spend on this. Because, again, like the Ravens, running is a very big part of their system. They lost a big part of their system, and they struggled mightily without it. So they will definitely address that, especially with Deontay Foreman now in Carolina.
1: Oh, my God. Over with.
0: See, you say that, but you have to realize that we have, you know, this is from college to combine. This is what the show is about. This is about the rookie tight end of this group. We're going to go through five. They're all underwhelming, kind of like the quarterbacks, except to a greater degree because it's a tight end. And we were really spoiled by a guy like Kyle Pitts and Pat Frymuth, who I'm going to put in the same sentence. And. It's a lot to consider that they're not great prospects, but what they are are prospects that are going to be landing in good spots. The Bengals are a very tight needy team that we will be very interested to see. If a, if one of these top five guys go, goes to Cincinnati, despite you not being super interested, you know you're going to be somewhat interested. If they go to uh, Dallas, even, if Dolce Schultz on a contract year, I would be somewhat interested there. Indianapolis. Washington, to a lesser extent, there are there are spots where I am curious to see them thrive in. But let's let let us dive into it. Do you want to kick us off with some honorable mentions? I know you have a guy that I struggle to pronounce the name of that you want. We want to give a shout out that a lot of people will be surprised are is not in this top five, but we have a reason for it. At least
1: he was one of the Jalen Waddemeyer from Texas A and M, one of the tight ends, one of the first tight ends I heard about in this class. Played at Texas A&M. He looked fine. Um, ran a 507, 40-yard dash, I believe. Which And that's uh,
0: why he's off the board. <laughs>
1: yeah. The hit rate on players, like, I, I forget the exact stats that you showed me, but his his speeds at the combine were in the low 20 percentiles, or would have been among the low 20 percentiles of offensive linemen.
0: He was, uh, he would have been, it wasn't, those. those weren't percentiles. He was, if you graded his athletic metrics, uh I believe his vertical was uh what's it called? His his 40 time against offensive linemen would have been oh man, I don't want to get this wrong, but uh I think it would have been 13th. Um I sent it to you, Riley. I'm going to I'm going to pull it up right now. It's his vertical would have been 34th among offensive linemen. His broad jump would have been 16th. His 40 time would have been 13th. Now Testing does not show everything. That's not the end-all be-all. But when it comes to fantasy, I need athletic upside to be taking a shot. He does not have it. That's not where I'm interested. I, I know we have some nuance in his route, so I could get some hate for this, but I do not have interest in that. I'm going to give a shout-out as well to Jack Brent uh, Brentnell on Twitter. That's where I found that. I'm not going to take credit for something I did not find. So another one I wanted to uh, shout-out was Charlie Kohler out of Iowa State. I know a lot of people are talking about him. As an athletic uh, sleeper, but just not ahead of the five guys that we have ahead. He's probably right outside, around that six-seven range with Whiteimer. Um, so you wanna you wanna jump into it? No, I don't.
1: I don't like okay. talking. Okay, well to- let's leap We're into it. it anyway. Dive. We're gonna do it anyway. Make me happy. Do something to make me smile. I can. Get I'll I'll
0: I'll tell you this. I kind of like the name of this guy. And you know, <laughs> our tight end five is Cade Aden. Someone I. Did not know much about entering the pre-draft process and admittedly, as I think a lot of people did. Uh out of uh correct me if I'm wrong, wrong out of Washington. Washington. Thank you so much. Uh I won't lie, I totally forgot to make the banners. So I'm typing that as I go. But uh, why don't why don't you why don't you kick us off with K Dawn?
1: So K Dotten um he played on the Washington team when they were nationally ranked um in a couple of the games that we watched and they were nationally ranked. Um, I mean, his, the, the reason he's this low, he showed some decent nuance in his routes. He's a decent athlete, six five two forty seven. 247 Um, he was, had a 31.8 dominator, which is 92nd percentile among tight ends, uh, which is fun to see his, the reason he's number five. And it, it pains me that a, a guy with these stats are number five, but. In 2021, he played eight games. He had 28 receptions for 250 yards and one touchdown. That's 8.9 yards per reception. 43 targets in eight games, so that's five point something, a little over five targets per game. And it's maybe I'm just in too much of a culture shock going from wide receivers to this, but uh, even even for tight ends, this this production is is nothing to base um you know athletic profile on he, he's a decent athlete but um you know we're we're talking about fantasy here and in order for us to get get happy about this guy for fantasy um he has to show production in college and he never really did he he never had more than 344 yards uh in one college season which he had in 2019 when he played 11 games
0: yeah he it's i i, I think you all put it put it really well there he was a three star high school recruit he he just doesn't have the – like, he he's not even that good of a blocker, which really does concern me, that we really did not have the receiving production we wanted to see out of these guys. I think he's a good route runner, uh, better than some of these guys in his class, which, you know, there is some upside to somebody that knows how to run a route. It was fairly crisp. But, you know, limitations as a blocker. He doesn't have the speed to make those big plays like, you know, we've seen these late-round guys tend to do. It's – I, 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 you know, it's someone I, I, I might be interested in, you know, due to his ball skills and due to his route running, if he goes to the right situation with the right coach, he will take a lot of development. As you mentioned, you know, the lack of production is an issue. But, yeah. I also want to say, we're going to probably spend less time on these guys than we normally do because there's only so much we can say about, honestly, day three type of prospects for a lot of these guys.
1: So. Yeah, so... Let's let's move on. I mean these these tight ends are these tight ends are not my thing. But we'll 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 keep going. It's it's a strong class, and you gotta you gotta eat your vegetables. We
0: like to say that you gotta eat your greens. See, you say that we do. We do have to eat your greens. But I actually kind of like this next guy, Titan end four, Grant Calcaterra, out of SMU, has one of the weirdest draft day stories that I have ever researched and looked up. So, commit Oklahoma. Number six tight end recruit in the entire country. It's very difficult to properly address how weird this is because he is, Riley and I both just got a text that threw me, threw me out, threw me for a second. I apologize for my stuttering, but um, he retired in 2019. It's very interesting for Grant, uh, Grant where he literally retired from Oklahoma and Came back this past season, transferred to SMU, unretired. He retired because of concussions. Uh, That was kind of his own personal concern, and then came back. And put together a fairly decent year with, uh, with SMU. It's someone that I am pretty interested in because of how good of a prospect he was coming out. And, again, this was high school. This was a long time ago. But he did put together a couple, you know, string of really good games, type of things that, you know, we didn't see from Cade. Uh, he, you know, he ran a four-six-two. That's a good forty time. He's fairly athletic. but twenty together on the bench. He won't be a total liability in the blocking game. So there's a world that he's a three-down type of tight end. Uh, he can line up in line. I think he'll line up in the slot a little bit more. But I think he's a good route runner. Uh, there's a lot to like about Grant, uh, calcatera I just, it, it really will come down to draft day vol- uh, volume, where uh, volume, capital, where. If he gets day two investment, if he slips in the back of the third round, I could be interested. But the tight end, uh, the concussion history, and those concerns, and the lack of production beyond this past season with the retirement, that's going to be something that is worth uh, watching come draft day. I'm curious on what the big names are going to be talking about. To be honest, and uh, the
1: I'm I'm totally I'm pretty much hands off this guy. I mean, I I agreed to put him at number four just because he has higher upside than. A lot of the guys we looked at, um, it's it's so scary to to spend a pick on a on a guy like this. Who uh, great great for him for coming back if if he thinks that his body can handle it. Um, but it's it's too it's too much of, of an incurring risk for me to uh, to go out and get Calpatera.
0: It's it's all fair. I, I like I'm again. I think we're picking hair with a lot of hairs between a lot of these guys where. He is, you know, he's a he's a good he's a very good prospect who has a lot of the physical metrics that I want to see. He put it together on the field despite again taking years off from football. That's that's what I really want to see, where he put up a better he put up a better uh, receiving profile than a guy like K. Dot that we just talked about, because uh, despite taking you know two years off from football, that's that's difficult to do, even at SMU, a smaller school. And, you know, he was like, I, I truly believe he was going to be one of these big names we'd be talking about in, you know, on day two, back in day one, if he stayed at Oklahoma and continued the track that people were expecting him to. Obviously, he took a left turn. I'm hoping he gets back on track here. He comes in at my tight end number four. The tight end three of this class, why don't you introduce him? Because he, we had some fun watching his tape.
1: We did have some for all fun. All the wrong reasons. And yeah, for it, it was, it was it was a good amount of fun i mean not not to not to rip on this guy he's a good athlete he's a good receiver and that's why uh we ranked him accordingly he had he had some some not top 10 highlights when it came to blocking man i mean he he was just he was just a poor poor blocker across the board and um and again he made some uh he made plenty of plays in the receiving game especially at Ohio State where he was severely you know overshadowed by the great trio of wide receivers that Ohio State had this year um so credit to him for even being involved as much as he was but um again more receiving upside than the guys behind him uh less blocking ability than the guys in front of him. um in in any other class I mean we we would be ripping this guy down a lot more but this is the level of talent we're dealing with this year and um in terms of fantasy um i wouldn't be surprised to to see rucker go in you know maybe a day two or early day three probably at the latest um that tight ends always have weird draft capital like that so if he ends up on the colts i mean maybe he's worth a, a decent look but we'll um we'll see what happens
0: yeah he is he's an abysmal blocker it's uh it's, it's pretty tough to watch um and, you know, that, on some level, that's that's good. You know, you're going to have him line up outside. He's not going to be in line because he can't be trusted there because he throws his body like a – I don't know. A, I, I, a I don't even a know an analogy. What?
1: Like a bat out of heck. Haven't you heard? Like a
0: bat out of heck, yes. I heard that from our amazing teacher uh, or professor, uh, Richard Hanley, one of the best football oh my people. I, I don't know if he's actually said that, but I feel like he I'm would. Um, one do. of the best – one of the best football minds we've ever had the luxury of being around, but yeah, I I'm I'm interested because he broke out at a young age. He's athletic. That's you know I, I I'm not that interested in you know somebody that I like. His analytics are obviously unfavorable, and a lot of that is because he was you know he was sharing it with three first round talents of JSN, Chris Olave, and Garrett yeah, Wilson. The third name of the group, I guess, but um, um,
1: yeah, that's alright.
0: all, all I, all I have to say is that there's not a there, there's there's things to like in terms of traits of athleticism, things you can't teach, you know, breaking out at a young age. We've been talking with Jeremy Rucker for a couple of years now because he has made that impact. and He's been at Ohio, you know Ohio State. That's not, you know, that's <laughs> being the starting tight end for that program is that, that's a meaningful thing, and that's not something that should be totally overlooked. But I'm going to overlook it a little bit because I'm not that interested. I personally have him behind the aforementioned Grant Calgotera. And uh, I know Riley has him right here. Based on consensus that what we've been doing, consensus breaks the tie. Consensus has him ahead. So that's why he comes in our Tight end number three. Now, tight end number two.
1: Let me, t- let me, that's let me start little, about this guy. It's a little I bit think,
0: more interesting.
1: I think this is my guy of the tight ends. If I had to pick a guy, this is my guy. I think he's the best athlete. Uh, Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina. Um, He was a little bit better in blocking than record, Still not great, but, I mean, at this point, we're not going to split hairs over it. Uh, 85th percentile and burst ran a 48-40, which isn't great, but at the same time, I'm not looking for a blazing fast uh, 40 from a tight end. Having a good burst score and uh, having good agility is something you like to see from your tight end. He was good in the receiving game. Um, especially for Coastal Carolina, not you know, an S tier offense. So um just purely on tape, he he's probably the best athlete out of all of them. He's a decent route runner, he was used a lot of different ways. Uh 6'5", 245. So I'm I'm interested somewhat interested in Isaiah Likely, as interested as I could be in in this group. So um depending on where he lands, let's let's give him let's give him Bengals. Why not? If he ends up on the Bengals, I'll give him a decent look in the middle of the second round in rookie drafts.
0: He is interesting, man, because he is fast. He is the, probably the fastest one of these of, of this group, if I'm remembering our process correctly. But that that like it's it's someone that sh- pops off the of the film of he's a you know he's a solid route runner. He's you know he's built for that route running position. He probably won't be lining up in line, but. He's not an Evan Ingram or a Jeremy Rucker-esque liability in the blocking game. I would love to see him in an offense that utilizes him in motions a little bit more, where he is put – if they can start, start him on wheels and match him up – like start him on one side, motion, motion him over, get him matched up against a cornerback, he will run past that guy and catch that ball over him. There's a lot that I want to see him be used Like. He put together a 31.4 dominator. That was a 91st percentile for tight ends. You know, yards per reception 81st. Breakout, he broke out at 19 years old. Yes, it's Calico, Carolina. Yes, it's the Sun Belt. It's not top-tier competition. That is, you know, that's that's important and fair to note. You have to paint the full picture with these guys. But he is, you know, I, I think he's a lot closer to number one of this class than number three. And based on his athletic profile, there's a lot that I want to I want to see him get day two uh, day two capital. I think he will get day two capital, but honestly, every single name in this list, with the exception of number one, I could see ranging from day two to day three, and I, as as late as the sixth round, as early as the second. Honestly, I can I think I can make the case for a lot of these guys. But you know, I I, I you got any final remarks on your apparently my guy of the I guess identity?
1: I guess he is man. I can't help it. I got to pick one from every position.
0: Okay, then I'll 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 go. I mean, I guess I, I I picked Grant as my as the my guy of this group, but I also want to bring over tight end one, Trey McBride, the most well-rounded of all these guys, comes in as the clear cut number one. I think that's pretty much consensus. We are not going to dip from that curve. He had a ninety-ninth percentile dominator with forty-six point three, which is absurd. His he broke out at around twenty-one years old. He is now. 22 and a half give or take a good mix of athleticism, good mix of blocking I there's a lot that I wish he did a little bit better i you know I, I wish we saw maybe more long speed than I was kind of expecting I wish you know maybe we saw some more confident blocking where sometimes he gave up on it a little bit looks like he's jogging at times he's that type of runner but honestly in terms of a safe prospect of somebody that will probably make it in the NFL – how productive he'll be for fantasy is another thing, but I think he he has the highest floor of this class by a wide margin, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and he has the production that really no one else in this class does. You know, he had one, two, three, four, five games with a hundred yards. He's consistently sitting around 80-90 in his other games. So um yeah, he had the best production. He's the best on tape. He's the best blocker. Um he's he's good after the catch. Um he's he's built very well. Um athletic profile I mean he's he's a complete player he's he doesn't excel in any one area but he's complete enough to put him firmly number one uh in these rankings
0: yeah Colorado State is obviously not the not the school that you're hoping for as a top tier guy maybe you're hoping for an Iowa or something like that but you know it it it, it, we're tied down to choice every single year and Despite the lesser competition, there's still something to, to like when you look at him as a prospect. And, you know, he 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 did what he was supposed to do. He dominated against lesser competition. He was the heart of that offense. There's something special to knowing that the ball is going to go to you and still being ridiculously productive. So I think that this is someone that will be a – maybe not a day one starter, but a close to a starter come halfway of the year. I think he'll make it on the field. Uh, Obviously, rookie tight ends will take time. That's something I will let's end it here by saying, but but with a classic preach of rookie tight ends of all these groups take extreme patience, especially even these lower prospects. You can start cutting bait with them based on draft capital. You know, day three, I don't need to waste forever, but we've seen day three tight ends break out constantly. You know, and I like a guy like Hyland Granson from last year, I'm still holding out a little hope for. And that's a stash of people that were, he moved around a few dynasty rosters. But, you know, these guys, if you like them now, if you find a guy that you covet, if you see a name like Grant Calcaterra, who gets, let's say, fourth round investment, and it's with the Cowboys. And you don't know if Dalton Jones is their launcher. Call your shot. Be patient with them. Rookie tight ends typically break out in their third and fourth year. That's about the one you want to target. If you want to do that down the line, you could definitely do that. This is a lesser class. That's important to note as well, but preach. I want to preach some patience with it all. You're not going to get a dynasty. You're you're not going to get a redraft tight end one uh, this year from any of these guys, and that's not a hard bar to hit. You're not going to get a Kyle Pitts or even a Pat Fireman. That's not happening here. Yeah. Any final thoughts on your favorite position of this draft class, brother?
1: Not my favorite. It's not my favorite. Don't tell people that.
0: I I, just did, though.
1: It was tough getting getting through this group, but um hey, they're gonna be NFL athletes and I'm not, so good for them.
0: Yeah, and if, if I could trade places with them, I would I would do it in a new heartbeat. Mm-hmm. But that is our show. Thank you everyone for tuning in. I'm 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 you know, I'm I'm in a peppy mood still. So me, let's Yeah, totally. Um, but <laughs> I I'd wanna give a couple shout outs as well, just like I did in the beginning to for frequency's sake, I'd have a at FFSQC on Twitter. Definitely worth a follow. Putting on some great podcasts uh, right here on the network. You can also check out IDP guys who help this overlay, the design, all that. That's where I've been putting out a lot of content. I also want to preach the rookie mag. But we're talking rookies here. IDP guys, as well as myself, we've been making a rookie profile for every single person that you could possibly want for fantasy. That's IDP and offense included. Early bird pricing is wrapping up soon, so definitely check that out at idpguys.org. You can find all the necessary links there. I have been Michael Socoli. You can follow me at Twitter on Michael underscore underscore Sicoli. Two underscores, as Raleigh wants me to point out. And obviously Riley, you can follow as well at Riley underscore Millette. All great followers, might I say. I suggest, you know, following me above everything else. But you know, what do I know?
1: What the heck? Um
0: I'm sorry. You know what? Riley, Riley deserves it too. He puts out, Riley, what's your yeah. like most recent tweet?
1: Most recent tweet? Let's see. Let's check the receipts. I think it what was. Is it? What is
0: what is your sample size that you want to offer to this stellar audience?
1: I'll just take my most recent tweet and we'll go with that. Maybe. Oh, it was actually about the Jose Ramirez uh, contract extension for the Cleveland Guardians um, where I uh, praised the athletic for having really good reporting and
0: really good writing by the athletic. Super good. That is I'll, I'll, not hashtag not a sponsor, as as the no. person would say. No but the athletic yeah. the, 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 the free cloud because the athletic is where we aspire to be one day. So that is our show. Thank you everyone for tuning in. I hope everyone has a good night. I hope everyone enjoys their evening. See you next week, next Wednesday.